You're listening to What Were You Thinking? with Eric McCoy and Morella McCoy, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Hey, this is Eric McCoy, and I'm with my beautiful co-host. Morella McCoy. <laughs> and this is, we're on L.A. Talk Radio, and this is What Were You Thinking? We're always wanting to know, what were you thinking? <laughs> you know, so today, today we wanted to discuss um, a topic that always continues to erupt, especially in the substance abuse industry, um, as all the, you know, a lot of people out there want to be parents, right? right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you have kids and then you go, what the fuck did I do this for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, our society, and we've, we've sort of seen this huge shift in, you know, our society from, especially back when I was a kid, when you were a kid, to the things that were ultimately seen today. And one of the topics obviously always comes up is the helicopter moms. Right. And, you know, I had done a lot of research in the past. And And dads. Don't just blame it on the moms. Oh, yeah. yeah, (laughs) Let's go with the moms. But, you know, know, I'd done a lot of research on where did this idea come from? And... And it was back in the 80s, you know, back in the 80s when we were kids, you just let your kids go. You let your kids run around. You let your kids do anything. You know, Halloween came. You just said, OK, go on your go on your walks. And mm-hmm. and then obviously sometime during the 80s, there was a lot of abductions. Right. And this is when um, Adam um, Adam Walsh, which was Joe. Um, John Walsh. John Walsh. John Walsh's son. um he gained a huge amount of publicity, you know, over the abduction of his child, yeah, of his kid, and and then there was some laws that were passed, you know, with uh, with child abduction laws uh, federally, mm-hmm. and this put fear in people, right? You know, and I think that this was, you know, so nowadays, obviously, you know, you don't say, hey, go run around, you know, Halloween, go and you know, because now you see you're seeing razor blades put in candy and you know, which is a myth. <laughs> I don't think that they've ever actually caught that. But. Hey. I've heard this. Right. It's real. It's, it's real. gotta be it's real. It's on the internet. It's, it's gotta be real. Yeah. <laughs> and but what we wanted to actually discuss and talk about was control. You know, how much control do you actually have over your kids? Mm-hmm. And this is something that, you know, we have seen a lot in the substance abuse field, you know, going to school and learning all about parenting and, and you know, the like uh, family systems theories meant nothing until experiencing it firsthand with a lot of the families of the clients that we worked with. And we actually came to a realization, too, that a lot of the parents were more fucked up than the kids. <laughs> right. And I don't and I think they the parents try their best uh, to raise their kids right. But they mix the idea of mentoring and guiding their children into the right direction to become good citizens in the world with control. Mm -hmm. If you don't do what I say, your life is going to be shit. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you put a lot of fear into them and you, you know, uh, you, you discipline them if they don't do what you want them to do. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I've thought a lot about in working with the families that I've worked with and especially those that have lost their kids. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, parents always have a tendency of blaming themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but it, it would go either way in most of these cases. You know, you've got the parents that, 
you know, we always tell the families, look, you know what, you need to back off. You need to let them experience the consequences. You need to let them fall and, uh, and pick up their own pieces. Mm-hmm. And so you'll have families that'll do that. Their kid still dies. They blame themselves. Right. You know, and then you've got the other side where, you know, they were the total enablers. They just put them in all the expensive rehabs time after time after time after time. And then their kids died and then they blame themselves. Right. They could have done more. And so either way, you know, people typically blame themselves Mm -hmm. for that. But how much control do we have over our kids? And the the, the short answer, we have none. Hmm. Right. At the end of the day, we have none. But we are delusional as parents to think that we do. Right. And there's all kinds of parenting. And just just disclaimer, these are our own opinions. We're not saying this is your the way you parent is right, the way I parent is right, wrong, you know, any of that. But these are opinions that we've learned, especially myself, that I've learned now that I have two of my children out of, out of the home and I have one child that's, you know, a couple more years and he'll be out of the home, you know. Um, I can't, you know, like we talked about this just the other day where I was saying I went to go visit my kids to my two older kids live in Arizona right and uh, actually one of them lives in Arizona one is stationed in Arizona till the end of the week He's in and the then Air- he goes to Germany and then he goes to Germany um, and I was driving home and I kept thinking about how I envisioned my children to, where they were going to be at at this age versus where they're at hmm. right so when a kid is born, and this, once we have our children, we have parents, especially moms, will have this 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 vision of where our kids were going to be. They're going to be successful. They're going to be awesome. They're not going to have any problems. You know, we're just going to be these great parents. So we have we start to delusion, we make create these delusions of grandeur in our minds of where our kids are going to be. Okay. So I have I have two kids out of the house. And neither of them are where I thought they were going to be. Hmm. There, one is super, super successful so far. He's doing great. He's 19 years old. He's in the Air Force. He has got his whole life planned out for him. Dylan, if you're hearing, I love you. Um, <laughs> and you have the other one, my, my son, my oldest, my 25-year-old. He's, he's getting there. You know, he's got four years clean. He's, he's getting his life together. Um, you know, he's still kind of struggling, like where he's going to plant his, you know, feet on the ground and kind of figure out really what he wants to do with his, with his life as far as career and that kind of stuff. Um, and I know he stresses a lot about that. And Alex, we love you too. And Alex, we love you too. Um, and then, you know, so you have, you have the two ends of the spectrum, right? Now I used to tell my boys, this is how against I was them joining the military because I was, you know, the problem was I saw Saving Private Ryan and I actually thought that was all (laughs) wars were like that and that my kids were going to end up dead if they joined the military. So nothing against the military. I was just being very overprotective of my kids. And I used to tell them, if you ever think about joining the military, I'll break your knees. Hmm. I have no control over that. First of all, I would never break my kids' knees. Okay. But when Dylan came to me and said, at 13, I'm going to join the military. It took me several years to kind of wrap my head around it. But I finally said, look, if that's what you want to do and that's what's going to make you happy, be happy, son. It's not for me to, to say no, hell no. Because once once you turn 18, you absolutely have no control, mm-hmm. right, as a parent. Yeah, we're going to, we want to open up the phones here in a little bit, but we definitely want to get your thoughts on this. 
And one of the things that I always think about with parenting is you can always move into the religion. And I know this is obviously a touchy subject. Um, I used to teach uh, family systems theory a lot. And the different, you know, the reasons for dysfunction in family is one, when the, when the needs of the individuals in the family are not met and or there's a violation of boundaries. Mm. And obviously, you know, you go into the severe physical, sexual, you know, those types of boundaries, right. substance abusing family. Um, but then you also get into the dogmatic or authoritarian type family system. And the example that I always use, and there may be people out here that listening that are in to believe this, but the Mormon religion, um, the Mormon religion is classified and, you know, through all of my research as a dogmatic and authoritarian type family. We teach through fear, you know, hell and damnation. You know, if you do this, you're going to hell and one of two things is going to happen. You know, either they're going to accept and just just be and take that message on to their kids or they're going to rebel. Mm-hmm. Obviously, and, and I worked at a facility where we had a lot of um, kids in New, that's what Newport Beach that came from Utah. And obviously we know mm-hmm. Utah is the Mormon state and they did all come from Mormon families. Um, I did have to modify my speech a little bit when I had these, and I was trying to figure out how to, how to actually do that with not, not being, not offended, you know, anybody, right? you know, not really offended anybody, but, um, and I don't have anything against Mormon religion, but again, it's, it's the nature within it is that fear. It's teaching through fear, you know, the fear of God, you know, as, as, and I guess all religions sort of fall into that realm a little bit in the fear of God. But how, how effective is that in teaching your children that way? So I think, I think you and I come, come from a, a, a generation, right, where there was fear, right, of our parents, mm-hmm. disappointing our parents or coming to be able to talk to them or, you know, those kind of things. I knew I couldn't come, go talk to my parents about certain things or, you know, anything like that, right? So I don't, I don't think that it's very... And we rebelled, right? I'll give you a reason to cry. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a reason <laughs> to cry, you know, whatever. those. Oh God, that just, that one gave me chills a little bit. Um, <laughs> but I, but the effectiveness is that once they grow up and they move out of their home and, and stuff like that, they, they're either living with constant fear, mm-hmm. they're living with resentment, you know? So now your child... And it's not going to come to you because it's afraid if he mess if he or she messes up, I can't go to my parents about this, right? And we we talked also about the fact that, you know, there's tons of kids out there who can't come to their parents to talk about sex. I know I couldn't. Mm-hmm. That's why I ended up having a kid at 20 years old. You know, pregnant at 19. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't talk to them about sex. I couldn't talk to them about you know if if. I was feeling uncomfortable about a certain situation at school or anything like that because I had that thumb under me and that constant fear like, oh, I, you know, like I can't go talk to them. I was afraid of them. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want my kids to be afraid of me, to, to not be able to come talk to me, mm-hmm. you know? So how successful is it? I'm not, I'm not sure. Either you become like you get Stockholm syndrome and you, you just don't ever <laughs> want to leave because you're too afraid to leave or you rebel. Absolutely. Right. And of course, that's what we all saw was the rebellion, you know, that uh, I'll give you a reason to cry. I, that must have been in a book. That I had think to, so. That had to have been in like the, 
there had to have been some parenting book the at some point in time. Whole, you know, I'll turn the car around. Turn, yeah. You know. All the, um, <laughs> yeah, there's always the there common, was, very commonalities between. So, but yeah, so, um, and that was the, the thing that I was really thinking about and we were sort of talking about was, you know, when we look at parenting, I think the biggest question we want to ask ourselves is what is it the what's the best chances that I'm going to be able to have of of my kid becoming happy, right, successful, stable, you know, what are the best and again, because of the fact that yes, these are opinions, these are perspectives, uh, you know, psychology in itself is a lot of its theories, you know, based on, you know, various different studies. People are different. People learn differently. People experience different things. People see the world differently. And so there's no, you know, clear-cut solution to what we're talking about here. But as I always promote the idea that the idea is looking for ideas, not solutions, because right. that gets it stuck. But what are the best chances? What are the things that we can do that will provide the best chances? And And I... The one that I always come up with and I teach um, the families about when I talk to them is communication. You Absolutely. Know, is communication. Is that, and I ask you the question on the way, and I was going to just bring this up as, you know, people say, you know, don't be friends with your kids. Right. right? And what is actually a friend, you know? And we kind of came to a conclusion that it was like, you know, just a, like a confidant, somebody that I trust, somebody that I can go to, somebody that, can, you know, is an adult friends are different than mm-hmm. when we were kids, right, you know? Right, um, And then, you know, parenting is guiding, directing, teaching, you know, right. um, and not just because I said so, but actually teaching, right. you know, educating on why this is the not, not the best choice to make or, you know, what, whatever it is you're looking at. But so the, the, um, I forgot what I was saying. Um, I'm not sure. I, I'll, I can I can use an example. Oh, oh, French. Oh. Yeah, friends. Okay. okay, so yeah, we were talking about friends. So the the finding the balance, you know, between mm-hmm. those definitions, right? Is is finding the balance between friendship and parenting, mm-hmm. you know, a good thing. People say, don't be friends with your kids, you know, but. What does that actually mean? But there's a level you know? of friendship, right? So like you can be friends with your kids so that they feel confident enough to come talk to you. But there's still that respect that I'm still your parent and I'm still going to help guide you. I'm mm-hmm. still going to, you know, there's still going to be consequences if, you know, you don't do what I ask you to do, whatever, you know, so that you learn to live in a in a home with other people. You can't, you know, I'm not going to do your laundry and do all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, my kids have done their laundry since they were probably about 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so yeah, you can be your friend so that they feel their friends so that they feel that they can come talk to you and that you won't ridicule them and that kind of stuff. One of the things I used to tell my kids is I don't want you to drink. I don't want you to do drugs, but if you find yourself in a situation where you are drunk, I do not want you driving. You call me, mm-hmm. right? Cause you would call a friend to come pick you up. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I want to be that friend at no questions asked. I will come pick you up. Okay, and, and that 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 to me is like a friend level. As a parent, I don't want you to do this, but here's your, here mm-hmm. as a friend, I'm telling you, I'd rather pick you up, and then you deal with the hangover the next day. Yeah, you know. Then but that. it's like it's like um, 
you know, but it's educating. It's educating, know? right? There's some people that become friends with their kids where they're, you know, if their kid's, you know, doing pot. I'm going to go smoke pot with my kid and invite all his friends over and we're all going to drink and do, you know, you can't get to that level because you're losing that respect as a parent, right. that, that, you know, that difference. For, for all of you out there that work in the substance abuse field, okay, one of the things that I found, and this can help maybe people that, you know, the people that we deal with are rebellious by nature, obviously, breaking the law, you know. Right. They, they created a disease that required them to have committed a crime to <laughs> to have gained the disease, right? right? Heroin addict, you know, it's illegal, so you have to have committed a crime. So they're rebellious, right? Right. And so, um, so you know, these people are rebellious by nature. So how do you get them to follow rules? And I think about this with families, and I, and I almost look at it, you know, when I'm working with clients almost as, you know, a family system in a sense, right? Because in the teaching process, you know, I teach clients, decision-making, impulse control. Every action in your life has a consequence. You do, you know, there's positive, negative consequence to everything you do. You do this, you pay the price, you know, ask yourself, am I willing to pay the price? It's a good question, mm -hmm. you know. For those that consistently violate rules in the program, one of the things that I've found is some of them don't understand why they have the rules. You know, this goes back to the parent that says, say says, uh, you know, don't do that. Why? Because I said so. Right. Right. And so, you know, I've been program director, you know, for many, many years of different programs, executive directors. And one of the things that I've found to get clients to submit and do what they need to do is to explain. Yeah. And, and I've done that, new, the, you know, why can't I have my cell phone? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I would sit down with the clients and I would explain to them the reason in very clear fashion to a point to where they would finally say, okay, I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. You right. Know, now it makes sense. And so now they're not fighting that anymore. Well, I think as parents, we expect them to just know. Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned this before in another, you know, um, maybe last week where I, I think parents think that the kids, are, a lot of times they, they should just know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you they make don't just yeah you they don't just know it is our job as parents to guide them to understand why these rules are set in place and whatever and that goes back to the helicopter parents right so the helicopter parents who are are solving every but all the, their kids problems they um, don't allow them to make their own choices or if they do okay well all will be there and I will make sure it all goes well you know and and I will you know I will um, navigate any issues that that happen with my child you're you're holding your child back from being able to learn about making their own decisions and dealing with the consequences, whether they be good or bad, mm -hmm. right? And so when they go out to the real world, they don't know how to handle how to handle a situation when something comes up without calling mom and dad. So they're they're not independent. They don't become independent mm -hmm. on how to how to solve those issues. So I mean, you can go from each side of the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. Either I'm not going to allow you to make any decisions because I exp I I know you're going to make the wrong one. So I'm going to be there and take care of every little aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've even heard some helicopter parents actually go to job interviews yeah. Yeah. with their child. Yeah, I would not even if I was interviewing. I would be like, you all can leave. Yeah. Forget it. Forget it. 
you know. Which sucks, though, and it's sad for the kid. It is. You know, because they don't get to experience life. Yeah, they're not going to learn how to interview. They're not going to learn the experience, the uncomfortability. Well, and at the end of the day, your parents are not going to be around forever, right? N- nature's going to take its course. Mom and dad are going to pass away or, you know, whatever. And you're left like with no tools, mm-hmm. no tools in your tool in your tool belt, right? To be able to figure out how to handle life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how to how to budget your money, how, your finances. Exactly. Your, you know, if you're not taught those things, then what are you going to do? Right. You're screwed. Exactly. So, so it's one of those things where at at the end of the day, our job as parents is to guide them, teach them and be there for them, not to dictate who they're going to be. That was the question I asked too. why this would be, I'd love to get people's opinions on this, you know, but you know, why do parents want to dictate what their kid's life is going to look like. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with fear, right? Because if my kids fail, I have failed, right? And what? And a lot of people are so concerned about what people are going to think mm-hmm. if my kids fail, mm-hmm. right? That they have to live how I've instructed you to live and do exactly what I want because, oh my gosh, what are people going to think if you fail, mm-hmm. right? And I can use my sister and, and me as an example, we are, we have two very different parenting styles. Um, and so you're taking responsibility for something you have no control over. Right. But parents think they do. Yeah. That's where the control, how much control you have, you, you think you have versus how much control you actually have mm. and you have none. And we experienced that with Alex's, um, you know, when Alex was on the streets, right? I blamed myself for everything that had happened to that kid. And I did not understand what I did wrong because I had educated him about drugs. You know, I let, I've talked to him. I was his friend. I was his confidant. I was his parent. He barely ever spanked. I think maybe spanked him like, you know, two or three times when, when he was like a little taller and there was a little pop on the butt, you know. So he did not get disciplined very much. He was a good kid. And then, of course, when, when all this happened, I'm like, what did I do wrong? Did I not spank him enough? Did I not mm-hmm. love him enough? You mm-hmm. know, why doesn't he love me? It's my fault. So it was, it was such a turmoil for me because I thought I had failed as a parent. Mm. And I, and I did also feel like, you know, people were looking at me like, what did you do? Why, why did you, why did you fail as a parent? Mm-hmm. And one of the things I told, I've told Alex this several times, the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life was to turn my back on you and say this, you're on your own. When he went into rehab, mm. the not I was no longer enabling him anymore, right? Because I didn't see it as an enabling. I saw it as I'm trying to help my kid recover. Mm-hmm. But after the fifth time in, in a rehab and he kept running off, I had to figure out that I was wrong mm-hmm. and I had to turn my back. See, and the other problem that comes into this is with parents, and this was something we were talking about earlier too, was that, you know, peop, you know parents have, you know, uh, biases. They have, you know, they have their opinions, um, prejudices, you know, they have, you know, all these different things that they want their children to think the way they think, right? Mm-hmm. Religion. They want their children to believe exactly what they believe. Otherwise they're going to hell, you know, politically, they want them to think the way they think, right? Um, you know, about social issues. They want them to think the way they think, 
Mm-hmm. That is a horrible thing, mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody is an individual. Allow your kid to be an individual and teach them to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the, you know, it reminds me, I, you know, and I tell the story in, in my book of Ed Gein. Right. And I, and I, you know, love, and I always think about this with Ed Gein. So for anybody that uh, doesn't know who Ed Gein is, you do know of him based on characters that were made Hannibal in plenty Lech. of movies. Not Hannibal, but the, um, the main. It was uh, Buffalo Bill Buffalo from Bill. Silence of the Lambs, uh, uh, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, Norman Bates from Psycho. All of these characters were based on this individual, Ed Gein. Who and his story is, is interesting to me, and I and that's why I really like it. It's a crazy story, but you know the the premise of it was that uh, this was back in the '50s, somewhere in the Midwest, and there was a woman who owned a hardware store that went missing, mm-hmm. and so they um, police did their investigation. They found that Ed Gein was the uh, that his truck had been seen at the shop for an extended period of time. And that the last receipt that was written was to Ed Gein. So they got a search warrant. They went to his house, um, uh, went into his house. They found the decapitated body of this woman mm-hmm. who owned this hardware store. They found um, lampshades made of Out human of skin, skin mm-hmm. a jar of vulvas, um, another um, another woman's head that was in a jar, right. you know, found in the... Um, and But the story behind him is what, what, is, what intrigued me in this idea of inability to think for self. Mm -hmm. So he grew up with a mother who was fanatically religious. Right. Like fanatically religious. Taught him that all women are whores. They're all prostitutes. They're all going to drag you to hell. And and so this was what was taught to him day Mm -hmm. after day after day after day. He was never allowed to associate with anybody except for for the time he went to school, but then he had to come immediately home. Um, he had a brother who they also believe that he may have killed, although they don't have any proof, but he just mysteriously died in the field mm. <laughs> in a fire. Um, but there is a possibility that he did it. Uh, but that was, you know, they also believe there was an incestual relationship right. between him and his mother. But it just goes back to, you know, that that he listened to his mother, the woman that he loved the most, the woman that he trusted wholeheartedly right that these were the this was reality this was life right this was her opinion obviously we can look at that and say she was a crazy lady um that's insane why the fuck would you teach your kids that you know um but you know and and so that's and so that's kind of the story behind him and that lack of ability to think for self and that's one of the things that again i think is so important you know but how do you know if you because, you know, we live in this world right now of political insanity, right. you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so let's say, you know, you're on one of the parties and, you know, you wholeheartedly believe, you know, whatever kind of stuff. Um, are you able to teach your kid to think for yourself? If you're very religious, right, and believe in a certain way, are you able to teach your kids to think for themselves and allow their own spirituality? How do people do that? Well, that's a, that's an interesting question because I don't know. I, you know, I took the, I took my kids to church. I'm Christian. I took them to church. I let, you know, would take them to the, um, the kids groups and the kids church and that kind of stuff. This to today, neither of them are, are highly religious. 
and I didn't do it for forever, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, it was on occasion I would take him to church and you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, neither of them are highly religious. I don't even know t- truthfully. Some of them, they, you know, one will say they're agnostic. One says, yeah, I believe, but you know, I'm not whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my biggest things was that was just my way of teaching them about God and going to church and that kind of stuff. But I wasn't expecting them to believe in what I believe in. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, the, if one of them came to me and said, I believe in Buddhism, Hey, as long as you have something that makes you happy, I'm happy for you, you know, and, and and so as a parent, you have to be open-minded to know that there's so many different realms of possibility for our children that ours is not always the right one for that child, Mm -hmm. right? So I have like three different, you know, three kids and they're all very different personalities, right? So one may have been like, yeah, mom's right. Totally right. I'm going to follow, I'm going to follow God and I'm going to be a Christian and you know, whatever. And the other one could be like, you know, I'm a devil worshiper. <laughs> you know, none of them are, but you know, I'm just, you know, they, if it, if it's what makes them happy, that's really what our goal is. We want to make sure our children are happy. Yeah, it's, And when they're not, they know to come to us. You know, it's learning to be able to differentiate the difference between facts, perspectives, opinions, mm-hmm. biases, mm-hmm. you know, and, and being able to differentiate because because I have a I, I may have an opinion about something doesn't make it a fact. Fact, right. Right. I mean, religion is the, another great example, though, is that, you know, religion, you know, people say is man made, you know, right. spirituality is God made. Right. But religion is fascinating to me because, you know, it's 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 all based on perspective. Mm-hmm. It's all about perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the, some people that read the Bible and they say, this is it. And other people read it and it's something different. So who are you supposed to believe? Right. I mean, that's the, that's the conflict between religion. Well, yeah. I <laughs> mean, know? yeah, that, that's, yeah. Religion is a completely, you know, different thing, but it's the same thing with politics. It's the same thing, you know. You know, if if if, you know, you're a Trump supporter, you know, good for you. If I'm not a Trump supporter, you know, good for me. But why are we fighting? Yeah. Right. Why are we arguing about who's right and who's wrong? Because at the end of the day, it's my opinion versus your opinion. And neither of them are based on facts. Yeah. Right. And just for people that are listening, I am not a Republican and I am not a Democrat <laughs> because I, you know, and I've said this many times on my podcast, too. You know, is our that, goal is to vote. Is for that, the strong well, vote. my my thing is that I am not a black and white thinker. Mm-mm. That's the problem. I, you know, when I look at religion or politics, you know, it's such it's so black and white, mm-hmm. you know, that that if you're a Republican, you just go for whatever they say. Just, mm-hmm. You know, if I'm a Democrat, I just go for whatever, whatever they the say, are. you know. But I, I can't do that. No. You know, I can look at, okay, I can I agree with certain things with Republicans. I agree with certain things with Democrats, vice versa. I disagree with certain things. There is no way that I can be that black and white of a thinker. Well, you're, you yeah. know, left-wing, you know, <laughs> right, down prob- liberal. I'm probably, you know? I'm probably looking at that, you know. Yeah. But, no, but, but when, it, you know, like, let's rule this back to the, the whole parenting conversation is, you know, we have to allow as parents, and, and we're getting better at it a little bit and like our generation um i think the younger generation like the millennials like they're being a little bit more too helicoptery you know they're fucked (laughs) you know bob Bob forrest right yeah bob forrest you know celebrity rehab right 
he he always says that and i used to i we used to work together in uh temecula and and so he would come in and he would do groups sometimes with Mm -hmm. clients and there was so many times where i had to sort of block some of the clients and like grab them and talk to them because they were you know they'd be like fuck that motherfucker fuck fuck fuck." (laughs) i mean they were pissed you know and uh and and that's what he would always say to him and i can't i could not believe that he would do it but he would literally sit in group with millennials and he'd say if you're a millennial you're fucked yeah (laughs) yeah we we yeah that's not necessarily true but it's not necessarily true um but I think that we have learned uh, or we're learning, right, to allow our children to make more choices mm-hmm. and allowing them to say, okay, this is this is the problem we're facing. Here's choice one. Here's choice two. Mm-hmm. Each of them will have a consequence. Here's the consequences. Go ahead and make that choice. Yeah. And ask yourself, am I willing to pay the price? I mean, that's the mm-hmm. m- important thing is that, you know, as kids, instead of teaching through fear, right, we teach with a clear head. Mm-hmm. You know, fear, I don't think, you know, fear creates rebellion. Fear and, and punishment creates dishonesty, right? So when a child, you know, why do people lie, right? People lie to avoid punishment, punishment. Mm-hmm. right? So if I'm teaching in that fashion, I'm teaching my kid to lie. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, I see it every day with, in my, in my job, we have people coming in, into our, into our health centers that are, um, afraid to tell their parents whatever situation they're in. They don't know who to go to. Their friends are, you know, their friends are there to support them, but can they really help them through those situations? So that's what we're there for. Right. right. Um, and it's sad because you, you see so many patients that come in who are like, uh, I need to keep this completely confidential. My parents can never know, you know, like those kind of things. They're, they're afraid of being able to tell their parents what's yeah. going on in their lives. And it's, and it's sad. And, and, you know, and I've been in that situation as well. And, you know, uh, I was terrified, so terrified when I found out I was pregnant with Alex to tell my parents. And mind you, I'm 19 years old. So technically I'm an adult, right? so terrified to tell my parents I was pregnant. I left a note for my dad and left the house for a week. <laughs> I was terrified yeah. to come back, yeah. you know, because um, I lived under their roof and I was supposed to follow their rules. And, you know, we didn't talk about sex and, um, oh my God, now they know I have sex and they're, I'm going to get in trouble and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. Um, and that's me at 19. So imagine kids at 14, 15, you know, even younger sometimes. And that's where I, that's where I was kind of, you know, going with the, looking at the balance between like being a friend and being a parent. Right. right? And so like, I think of sort of what we had defined it as like, you know, again, the friend is, you know, somebody, the confidant, the person that's, you know, uh, you can go to that you can talk to that you trust, Mm -hmm. right. The friend that you trust and then the parent again, you know, being the teacher. Right. And, you know, and again, if my parents are listening, I love you very much, you know, (laughs) but I will honestly say that I had no, comfortability mm-hmm. in going to my parents and talking to my parents about sex mm-hmm. or drugs, mm-hmm. you know, or anything because everything was just going to get shot down. Right. Right. Now, granted, you know, if I went and said, what do you think about heroin? It's a good thing to shoot that down, of course. 
<laughs> but right, but you still made the choice of whether or not you wanted to do it or not. Right, right. But <laughs> but you can have an open discussion about it. Right, you know that you can have, you know that. Speaking of that, grab me one of my shirts real quick. Um, do I have? Oh, right here. Hey, so um, I uh, want. I really we're looking for people to call in and to give us information. So what I wanted to actually do was I wanted to give away a shirt. Um, this is actually from my podcast, and as you can see, I'm hoping you can see it. It says, let's get high, but let's do it clean. Let's get high, but do it clean. I'd love to give a shirt out. Um, for the first caller. For the first caller. Um, hopefully, you know, we kind of live in this world today that for us to get help, we need to give. <laughs> you don't get free help anymore, you know. And that's kind of the concept of the show is that we're always looking for help from people to put their insight in and hopefully we can help people right. um, learn from different experiences. But yes, I would love to give a shirt away um, for somebody that would call. So we're definitely looking for some feedback and, inf and the, your insight into the topics that we're actually talking here today about. Yeah. To go back to your topic about, you know, not being, not being comfortable to go to your parents, you know, when we were younger and that kind of stuff. And, and it, it, you know, I use the example of, um, you know, I used to tell my kids all the time, don't have sex. Mm. These are the things that's going to happen to have. I never said don't have sex or I'm going to like lock you into your room and you're never going to leave the house again kind of thing. But, right, right. you know, I would I would always tell them, like, don't have sex. You know, here's here is, you know, some of the consequences that can happen if you have sex. You know, I talked to them about, you know, having um, STDs. Um, you know, getting somebody pregnant, you know, the fear of like, if you get somebody your age pregnant, I don't want the dad coming over to your house to cook your ass, you know, because yeah. you're a boy, um, you know, those kind of things. But if you're going to be safe, yeah. right? So when it'd be I good to have, you know, your kid come to you and say, look, you know what? I got the clap. I got chlamydia and syphilis. <laughs> right. And what do I do? <laughs> right. So I, um, I would teach them that. I wasn't trying to instill fear in them, but I was just trying to say, here, these are the consequences mm -hmm. if you have sex unprotected, if you're, mm -hmm. you know, have sex too young and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and and so I found out when 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 they when they were no longer virgins by accident, mm -hmm. right? Because I found out just different ways. And um, the first thing I asked them was like, God, tell me you use protection, please. And I found out they had asked their dad mm. for condoms and their dad had bought him condoms. So that made me super happy, right? Because I'm like, at least you felt comfortable enough to go to one of us mm -hmm. to get this, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they didn't feel so comfortable with me because they're boys and they're like, I am yeah. not asking my mom to buy me condoms. Like, that's just yeah. weird. Well, and that's know? what I was saying when we were coming. It's like the, there is huge benefits, again, for the, for the you know, for boys to have relationships with their dads and for... You know the females have relationships with the moms because you know the dad's not really going to want to talk. Okay, you're going to have and you're yeah. going to have you know you're going to start bleeding and <laughs> yeah, you probably <laughs> for seven even know days and right. <laughs> um, so you know it it was it was it's good, right? But then you also have the completely other side of the coin where kids are so afraid to talk to their parents about reality and mm -hmm. and what's going on in their lives. And that's another reason why we have such a high suicide rate in our children, right? And mm -hmm. they're they're being bullied or they're feeling uncomfortable. They're they're not even comfortable to say, Mom, Dad, I think I'm gay. Or I, you know, Mom, Dad, I I I feel like I'm not in the right body. 
So they keep that in there and they're so afraid because they've been so judged and they've been giving the biases like you better never be gay. You better, you know, you, mm-hmm. you better never have sex. You, you know, they, it's like, you, yeah, they, and that you brings know that. a whole nother topic up, but yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's so many children today are so uncomfortable. You know, we grow up sometimes up until like, you know, our, our thirties, forties where we're still uncomfortable with our skin. Imagine what yeah. it's like for a kid who feels uncomfortable being able to talk to the people that are closest to that child, which is their parents. Right. So we have to open up those those lines of communication and not just put them down, not just give them rules and regulations, and it better be this way or it's that or or this or you know, I'll you know whatever. Yeah. Y- you have to give them the 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 two sided coin. You have to be able to say, these are your these are your options. Yeah. And these are your consequences yep. of those options. I want to mention real quick the phone number to call. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> give us a call at area code 323-203-0815. Again, 323-203-0815. Uh, oh, sorry, I interrupted you on that when you were. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just a really, really eye-opener for me. You know, and again, I'm not saying I was the best parent. I'm sure my kids would be like, uh, you should have heard some of the stories they were talking to me about when um, when I went to go visit them this weekend. We were cracking up mm-hmm. about just dis- different disciplines that I did and, you know, or just different situations that happened. And it was hilarious. Right. We laugh about it now. Um, but at the end of the day, I saw my kids and they're happy. You know, for the most part, I mean, they're sure they have stresses in life and stuff like that. You know, they're learning how to be adults and, you know, that kind of stuff. But they seem generally, genuinely happy. And I felt so successful. Yeah. And that's kind of the point. I mean, that's the point is like, what do we want in life? What Mm -hmm. do you, I mean, we have one life here, you know, what do you really want in your life? And I, and I, for me, came to that realization that, yeah, I just want to be happy. Right. You know, I mean, that's to me the most important thing is to be happy, you know, to be successful. Success means different things to different people. I mean, success doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a millionaire or billionaire, uh, you know. Absolutely. And I used to tell the kids all the time, I don't expect you guys to be rich unless that's what you want to do. If you want to be a CEO of an organization and make, you know, six figures and just, you know, be kicking butt, have at it it, as long as it's what you wanted to do and be happy Mm -hmm. you know um and i've always told them that and i meant it to the bottom of my heart you know um but like i said before like my sister and i have different parenting skills completely different and her thought is a lot like my parents where it's like you know rule with an iron fist you know i'll give you everything you need to be successful and you and you better take those advantages right i'm kind of like the hippie parent if you if you ask my family like i'm the hippie when i i set rules and standards and guidelines and you know that kind of stuff but i also let them make their own decision i need we laugh a lot about my youngest's hair right i i wish he would get a haircut the fro the fro that he has i (laughs) so badly wish he would get a haircut and we love you too brian (laughs) um yeah if he's even listening um but that he likes it he likes his hair like that for whatever reason it's not my hair so why am i going to tell him to wear his hair the way i want him to wear it Mm -hmm. right 
And um, and so, you know, he gets teased a lot about, you know, from from my own family, like cut your hair. You look like, you know, whatever. And he'll cut it. But he likes to keep the top a little long because of his curls. And, you know, and it's fine with that. But if it was like, you know, somebody, you know, my sister or whatever, she wouldn't she wouldn't allow that to happen. You know, she'd be a little bit more forceful about it. And so that's why I'm saying I'm like the hippie mom and I'm kind of like, all right, it's your hair. You do you. You know, there's certain rules. I told my kids they can get tattoos if they wanted at the age of 18. You know, that's on you. It's your body. You know, I'm not going to stop you. Um, The only rules I have, not on your neck, not on your hand, and no plugs in your ears. Right. Okay, those are the rules. But do they need to follow those rules now at this age? At the, you know, 19 and 25? They could be like, screw you, mom. I'm getting whatever tattoo I want. But they're not. But they're not. They've made the choice not to do it because they listened to some of the things that I had said to them as far as you might have a hard time looking for a job, right. finding a job. Because you, you explained it to them. Exactly. It wasn't just a, you know, I'm going to kill you if you do this. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that wouldn't work yeah. because I wouldn't have done it anyway. Yeah. But, um, you know, you know so it's funny when I, you know, I think about like when we look at life, like what is really important in life, you know? And um, so I'm working on another book, right. you, know, the, uh, you know, we were kind of talking about them. 35 pages into it and uh and i i actually talk about this in one of the chapters where i'm actually get into money mm-hmm. you know and you know of course you know we talk about money being the root of all evil you know and how important is money you know versus um you know just being content right my desire to just be happy mm-hmm. and so for then for those of you guys that know me i am a huge deadhead Grateful Dead fan ran around a lot in the early '90s with the, with that liberal group yeah. of, <laughs> of hippies, <laughs> and uh, and I, I talk about this in a in a sense that you know I had nothing right at that time. I mean we had nothing. I literally was you know I had my car, you know we would bum money at gas stations just to get to the next show, but I was content and I was happy and um, and life was great. You know, and you could ask a lot of people, how could that be? You know, you felt free. And well, but there was it's something that we'll never see again. You know, the dead, the dead scene. You'll never see this again. You know, was, you know, you I mean, there were there was I think the first show I ever saw. I I was in Las Vegas. Right. And we I get there, I think. I don't know, one of the days I took a bunch of drugs, but the next day I decided <laughs> to go to the show, and I was well, hung- I wonder you were happy. I was hungry though, right? <laughs> and uh, and this guy, you know, I was talking to some guy, and he's like, he's like, um, hey, you need some food? You know, he's like, hey, I got a couple hot dogs I can give you, right? And um, and so I started talking to him. And I was like, man, I really appreciate that. So he's like, you know what? Here, I even got a ticket for you, right? So he gives me a ticket to the show because mm-hmm. I didn't even have a ticket for the show, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, and it was a place and it was a time where it was, yeah. That one miracle, I need right? a miracle, right? But it was that place where, you know, like people wouldn't steal from you, you know? Mm-hmm. You could leave your car open. You know, if you left your stuff, you could leave it anywhere and it would be there when you came back, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, it was just like this. It was unique. It was right. really unique and right. stuff we wouldn't see today. Um, but there was no fear. Right. You know, um, I knew that, all my needs would be fulfilled, mm-hmm. you know? I would do as much as I could for other people. I mean, people gave you things 
that had very little themselves. Right. You know? Right. And, and those are the type of people that will give you more things. The ones that have little. Yeah. They give more than the people that have a lot. And yeah. it, it's really and that's interesting. why they have a lot is because they hold on to it. Right. <laughs> Well, and now your your level of content is different, right? I mean, yes. you know, you you got you were content, then things didn't happen, the yeah. you know whatever. And well, they now, hoard their stuff too. Right, know? right. Oh, the right. the yeah. Um, but now your level of content is is different because you're married to me, so like you've got to be super excited. And I am. <laughs> I am, and it is the most. It's awesome, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, I actually, I you know what, my life today is the best it's ever been, you know? Um, and it, it is, it really is. I mean, we, you know, we own a house now, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we're not rich, but we're content, right. you know, we're, we're, um, you know, we, we're stable, you know? I feel exactly, exactly the same way. And I, another, and this is another thing that came with parenting, right? I have lived majority of my life trying to live up to the expectations of my parents, especially my father, mm-hmm. right? Living up to his expectation because I ne- because I didn't do what he wanted me to do and live the life he wanted me to live, I felt like I had failed him. And therefore, you know, I had to constantly be living up to his expectations, mm-hmm. right? And that is one of the consequences that your child can face if they don't, okay, if they don't do what, you know, if they rebel and do something different, then once they go and they kind of get into that straighter line, then they're thinking like, I need to make up and I got to, you know, live up to your expectations and da, 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 da. And so there, there's that, there's that psyche problem that's happening. Sure. Right. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. And so I just think it, you know, it's very important communication. I think communication's the key, mm-hmm, you know, absolutely. teaching your kids how to communicate, getting into an environment to where your children feel comfortable going to you and saying, you know, I want to have sex with so-and-so, right. you know, or anything. I and mean, not realistic, shaming them, you know, right. non-judgmental, you know, now not being non-judgmental does not mean you agree with everything. Right. Absolutely. I mean, and that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, well, and that's, that's where, it, that's where it comes in where you say, you know, come, to, you know, come to me and I'm going to give you the best advice possible, the, both the negative and the positive aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about it, yeah. right? And then you're teaching them to make their final decision by giving them all the all the information they need to make that decision. Absolutely. So, well, we are. Uh, I think we still have some time. We are out of time, actually. Oh, darn it! <laughs> time goes quick, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> I really enjoy these conversations. Yeah. And- and I hope to get, uh, we really want to get some calls. Um, so next week we'll be giving out a million dollars for the person that, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> the check will bounce, but we'll give you a check. But uh, anyways, I want to thank everybody for tuning into What Were You Thinking? Again, this is uh, LA Talk Radio and look forward to next week. Thanks. Bye. You're 